Chapter 33 God Finding a Resting Place 1 Chronicles 21, 1-30 There is something very peculiar about this fragment or episode of Israel's history. It is abrupt and, in a way, isolated, though not completely. It also has some very remarkable points about it. It is the introduction to the history of the temple. It shows the way in which David was led to Moriah as the temple site and to Ornan's threshing floor as the place for the altar of burnt offering. It was through David's sin and punishment that God pointed out the rest that he had chosen and the spot where he had purposed to place his name. 2 Chronicles 3:1. Thus God overrules human sin. Indeed, he takes occasion from it to display his grace. It was their king's sin that was the link between Israel and Moriah, between Israel and the temple, between Israel and the place of burnt offering. This is strange, but suitable and striking. It is sin that is in one sense the link, or at least the point, of contact between us and Jesus. There is this peculiarity also about the spot. It was the place of division between death and life, between condemnation and pardon, between pestilence and health. Everything up to this point was judgment, but here the sword stopped. This hill, this threshing floor, stood between the living and the dead. Such is really the character of the temple and the altar. Here life begins and death ends. Everything up to this is death and vengeance. That temple was the shield of the world. There is also this peculiarity. The spot where the plague stopped was Gentile, not Jewish ground. It was the property of a Jebusite, the last heir of the Jebusite kings, 2 Samuel 24-23, Arona, perhaps of Melchizedek, so that thus Moriah passes from Melchizedek to David. It was on Jebusite or Gentile ground that the angel of judgment sheathed his sword and Israel's temple was erected. How much of that temple was Gentile, not Jewish? The ground, the cedars, the gold, the silver, the bronze, 1 Chronicles 18, 7 and 11, and the workers were Gentile, everything except the stones, which were Jewish. Israel was thus to learn that the Gentile had an interest in these courts. The Gentile could say, That rock is mine, that gold is mine, that cedar wood is mine, that workmanship is mine. Yes, in that temple all nations met with one another and met with God. One in Christ was the teaching of the temple, as well as of the cross. Let us notice further that it was in connection with the numbering of Israel that the temple site came to be fixed. God's special promise to Abraham was that his seed should be as the sand of the sea and the stars of heaven. Now, when this promise is abused and made a minister of pride, the judgment comes because of it. Yet out of the judgment comes the voice that says, This is my resting place. Psalm 132, 14. The point of the destroying sword, not a voice from glory, marks the temple. Its flash reveals the long-appointed spot. That temple was to be a seal and pledge of Israel's numbers without number, the fountain of Israel. Psalm 68, 26. Let us notice further still that it was in connection with the common occupations of life that this revelation of the temple site was made. Ornan and his sons were threshing wheat 
at the time when the angel came, and his sword stayed at the threshing floor. They had no share in David's sin and Israel's punishment, and they were not alarmed at the pestilence. They were not clad in sackcloth like David and the elders. They were not on their knees, but were engaged in the common duties of the day. God finds them at the threshing floor and does not blame them. Indeed, He honors them and their employment. He honors that piece of ground where they were working by turning it from a threshing floor into an altar. Let no one be ashamed of his honest trade or think that God will not meet with him in the midst of it. Ornan's threshing was not a lowly thing in the eyes of God. Let us notice again that this ground was bought at its price by David for Israel. There are only two spots that have passed by purchase into Jewish hands Machpelah and Moriah, the one for a burial place, the other for a temple, the one bought by Abraham, the other by David. Of all the rest of the land, Israel took possession as God's gift without money and without price. Strange that, for a spot on which to fix the symbols of resurrection and reconciliation, Israel, in the persons of Abraham and David, must pay the full price. It was as if to remind them that, in both cases, it was by ransom that the blessing was reached a ransom for many, Matthew 20, 28, and Mark 10, 45. I will ransom them from the power of Sheol, Hosea 13, 14. One thing more we notice. This fixing of the temple site had nothing to do with the tabernacle, the ark, the priesthood, or the Urim and Thummim. There was a break between them. The ark was on Zion, and the tabernacle at this time was at Gibeon. And it was not to the high priest that God made this new revelation, but to David, Gad, and the elders of Israel. There was a lot in the temple that was a repetition or fuller development of the tabernacle, and there was a lot in it that was new. The tabernacle was linked with Levi, the temple in great measure with Judah. It is the king, not the priest, who builds the house. God asks the help of David, Solomon, Nehemiah, Zerubbabel, and such civil governors in the maintenance of his worship. Their giving it honors them and does not defile the temple of God. God, in his sovereignty, led the ark around to Gilgal, Shiloh, Kiriathiarim, and Zion. Now that his purpose is served, he sets it aside and chooses a new site for his place of worship. That place is no longer a tent, but a temple, no longer connected with priesthood only, but with royalty as well. No longer frail and movable like a pilgrim, but fixed and unchanging. A type of the house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. 2 Corinthians 5 1. Such is the end of the tabernacle age. It began with Moses and ended with David. It began with Sinai and ended with Zion. It began with the thunder of the burning mountain and ended with the pestilence and the devouring sword. A wonderful mixture all throughout of mercy and of judgment. The temple age ended in more awful judgment, the desolation of temple, city, and people. For man is always treasuring up wrath against himself and ripening for the final stroke. Evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse. 2 Timothy 3.13 The end of all things is near, therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. 1 Peter 4, 7.